Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Zeit gang, you like to watch new stuff, right? I mean, who doesn't? I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama, a new season of The Kardashians starring the Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, the internet, and welcome to Season 272, Episode 2 of Dear Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness, and it is Tuesday, January 24th, 2023, which of course means... Miles is still here. Two, four, two, three. I'm still here, baby. The baby baby. is still, look, the tenant's rights, not evicting this child. Whenever (laughs) the child is ready, the child will emerge. Uh, But it's Global Belly Laugh Day. Love it. I think I only do that to fuck. Like, grab my belly and be like, you do like, loud like, fake laughter. Yeah, yeah, just to be like, you asshole. Let me give you the, the full-on fake laugh. It's also National Compliment Day, International Day of Education. Shout out to educators, National Peanut Butter Day, and Beer Can Appreciation Day. Pecan? Beer Can. Do you remember beer that website? Can. Remember beer, beer Can or Bacon, that website in the early ni- or in the early aughts? I don't. It was just, It was stupid. It was like a Rasta dude, and you click it and you go, Beer Can. And you had to determine if it was beer can or bacon. Wow. No? All right. See, this is this is back when, you know, like this is in the era of you're the man now dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're the man now dog was a classic. I spent yeah. hours <laughs> just hearing them repeat that. <laughs> Wait. So which day is it, though? Because I don't think I ever figured out which beer can or bacon. It's beer, oh, it's beer can appreciation day. Okay. Apparently, All this right. is the day that the first beer can was sold in 1930. And that was like a, a novelty, right? Bottles up to that point. And wasn't that like mm-hmm. a big thing with cores and the pool tab? And Yeah. Yeah. They, they sell it. Exactly. All the way from Colorado. As oh, that's... Baby Billy whoa. talks about really... in the first season of hey. Righteous yeah. Gemstone. <laughs> that's right. All the way from... They call this here the Silver Bullet. All the way from Colorado. Colorado. Uh, <laughs> but apparently... You know how like people say like I've heard a bottle opener be called a church key. You know, have you you know what I'm talking about? They're saying the nope. first cans had to be opened with a church key. And now I'm like, what the fuck is this all from? Like this wasn't. They were like canned goods. We like yeah. <laughs> you, you the first to... ones they were 
They were four ounces, a quarter pound is what the fucking cans weigh back. Oh my god. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, Just meant yeah. to withstand nuclear annihilation. Sounds like one hundred percent. Well, anyways, happy birthday to all the Beer cans? Oh, I I so right. it, it was a bottle opener. We just called it a church key because we knew how drunk everybody who works in a was church church. Was it gets. church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, makes That's sense. That's amazing. My name's Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. <laughs> what you gonna do with all that plump? All that plump inside those shorts? I'm gonna make, 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 make you zite. Make you zite. Make you zite. That is courtesy of Warren the Werebear. And I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray! Yeah, my name's Hideo No Hole with a dad bod. Change the diapers as I listen to my motherfucking iPod. Okay, that was from Down Rodeo, but shout out Pat on the Discord who gave me a Down Rodeo, a.k.a. to change change the diapers with an iPod. There it is. Which, you know, is coming, coming soon, coming soon. But yes, glad yeah. you're able to listen to Rage. Just one of these days, you're going to show up. And with a baby in hand and cigars, handing out cigars, you know, to everybody. Jack, you're going to have to smoke a blunt that time. Yeah, Sorry. I will. I've already, <laughs> yeah, already cleared it with everyone. We're, we're good. And yeah, it's going to be like that episode or that scene in Goodwill Hunting where he shows up and he's just not there. And that, that's the best thing, best news you've ever heard, Zeitgang. Yeah. Because it means baby Miles is en route. Yeah. En route. Uh, Miles, we're thrilled to be joined in our third seat by a hilarious writer, comedian, podcaster uh-huh. Uh-huh. whose byline has appeared in GQ, The Ringer. Pretty he is pretty. the senior film and culture writer at Up Rocks and pretty the bad. host of Film Drunk, The Frogcast. Pod yourself a gun. Pod yourself the wire. Welcome back to the pretty show, fun. Vince Mancini. Vince! Oh, so glad to be here. But uh, unfortunately, my lawyers have advised me against uh, doing any more freestyling on on podcasts so uh, okay i'm just gonna leave it at that and I, i'll let you guys let your work stand for what it is yeah it's really good <laughs> thank yeah. you so much thank you so much what, what's, what's new with you, with you? yeah oh nothing i do i'm i'm coming up on month what is it 16 of uh dad life so yeah. uh congratulations wow. uh upcoming to miles yeah uh, how, how are you what's what's 16 what's it like 16 like what do you when you look back at someone like me who's on the precipice and where you're out where you're at 16 in i'd say the first two to three months are a write-off because at that point like they can't see you or smile <laughs> like once they learn to smile it starts to get a lot more it gets like progressively more gratifying like they learn to smile and then they gain the ability to laugh which is great because then you spend all your time trying to make Make them laugh maybe laugh yeah but that first two months of just like pooping glowworm that wakes you up in the middle of the night that's yeah yeah Yeah. you know i'm ready you know i've 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 spent countless hours holding a PlayStation controller wondering is there something better I could be doing? So I feel like taking care of a newly birthed life form will be a a, a good, good yeah. substitute for yeah. a while. The only good yeah. thing about the first 2 to 3 months is that uh they just stay wherever you set them down. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what everyone says. Yeah, they're like get one of those Moses basket like just get a thing you could be just, you know, throw over your shoulder and bring the baby around the house with you. So and set him down in a river, just like exactly. Moses, you know, with a note, yeah. and yep. hope he tr- and hope he makes something of himself, you know. <laughs> Vince, I did want to talk about. So I, I've lightly talked shit about Babylon, just like as not not in great detail, but I do hate when a podcast I like doesn't like a movie I like and doesn't give the alternate point of view. When I got out of Babylon, 
went right to the Metacritic to to be like, what what are people saying about this film? Am I crazy? Turns out I am. And one of my favorite critics, Vin, one Vince Mancini, gave it a, a glowing review. So I, I just want to give you 30 seconds. What What's the case for Babylon? See, I mean, I love a scat movie. And I feel it like he's just so he was going over the top scat the whole time. And I'm, first of all, I'm a huge sucker for that. Like the first five <laughs> minutes is just uh, like a set piece where an elephant poops on the camera. And then there's like a big cocaine orgy and then uh, and Fatty Arbuckle getting a golden shower. Oh, so, that's supposed to be Fatty Arbuckle? See, I feel like I just didn't. I, w- I wasn't there. I wasn't present. You missed all the references, man. <laughs> yeah, I missed all the references. <laughs> So I don't know, like it was three hours and 10 minutes and I expected to be really bored because I'm like, I'm king of the I hate long movies brigade. And uh, I really just wasn't bored for that whole movie. And even while I'm watching it, I'm thinking, I feel like I've seen this movie like two or three times before. Like it's almost the same as the artist. It's almost the same as Singing in the Rain. It's almost the same as like any movie that deals with like the switch over from uh, silent movies to yeah. sound like we sort of yeah yeah we've seen that movie before but I was like really into this one and it kind of to me like the best kind of movie is one that's like sort of self-explanatory where like he was he was showing me why movies are magical where I was like I shouldn't like this movie and yet here I am enjoying it and not <laughs> yeah. being bored and there's I don't know there, there was something to that to me like he was sort of uh, he was clearly doing it deliberately and I thought he was sort of making a case for movies just being larger than life in that way that's mm-hmm. uh you just keep wanting to watch brad pitt do stuff for whatever yeah. reason yeah it is hard not to watch that guy yeah all right well there huh. it is and i didn't realize it had so much scatological stuff in it now I'm now <laughs> i saw your eyes light up yeah right? i was like hmm. yeah. i'm like and vince says it's pretty shitty in a good way I'm yeah, like, okay, <laughs> yeah. This, this sounds i mean i was watching it being like i know a lot of people are gonna hate this but uh question you know, i like watching you, a fat guy get beat on how'd you feel about elvis i see yeah elvis i, I kind of think the same thing where i'm like i know this is kind of bad but i'm enjoying it nonetheless. right okay because the, the, there's like there's clearly like for me there was a fork in the road where i go Am I just going to be like, it's fucking Baz Luhrmann and it's, mm-hmm. gonna, it's just a spectacle. It's not a good, there's, there's nothing to say. This is going to be good. It's Baz Luhrmann. And then as I watched it, I was like, so very like, I'm like, this is fucking nonsense. But at the same time, I was like, it's so wacky that I'm like, yeah. I can't say I'm bored at all. It's more just like, it's a good, for me, it was like a fun outrage watch. Yeah. And he kind of, uh, he kind of made fun of the idea of musical biopics. Like you expect an Elvis movie is going to like play the biopic hits. And uh, his was like <laughs> when someone covers a song and you can barely recognize the melody in it, where mm-hmm. you're like, what do they do? This is like a crazy remix where he's right. like just yada yadding over huge <laughs> passages that you expect to be in this movie. Yeah. And I like that Elvis would just blatantly go to the black neighborhood and be like, oh, this is where I came up with my, my new song. Uh, I just, yeah. <laughs> from but Little they're Richard. cool with it. And yeah. they co-signed it. They co-signed it. They yeah. co-signed it. So, yeah, it <laughs> was, was we great. we did say in our year in review, it was the year of maximalism with everything everywhere all at once. RRR being movies that I enjoyed that a lot of people seem to enjoy and that were super maximalist. And both of those movies are our maximalist movies. Like they're just like jammed, packed to the gills with movie, which I think, you know, 
So may, even if I wasn't like on the right wavelength for them in the moment, definitely worth checking out. Yeah. All right, Vince. Yes. We're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. Oh, First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of things we're talking about. We are going to talk about how students at Stanford are starting to warm up to AI chatbots. Good sign for academia. <laughs> Oh my god, uh, this must be this must be difficult for everyone. For every yeah, professors, students, being like, yeah. do I give a fuck enough to actually think about this? Yeah, and then if you're not using the chatbot, are you like the people at the Olympics not use it, not like doing blood doping or whatever? You know, right, it's right, right. Like, it's oof. like, yeah, I mean, I get it. You can go to sleep at night, but you don't have that gold medal. That's right. You got a <laughs> C plus in your English right. class. We're going to talk about M and M's. They've decided to pause their quote-unquote polarizing candy mascots because Tucker Carlson doesn't want to fuck them anymore. So we'll talk about that becoming an an official part of the cultural conversation. Uh, We're going to talk about a documentary that dropped at Sundance that's apparently unfinished, but it was happening in secret. It is uh, called Justice. It's by the director of Swingers and Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And it's his first documentary, Doug Lyman, and it is trying to like look into the sexual assaults of Brett Kavanaugh, the many claims. And uh, yeah, it seems interesting. Uh, we might even get into why somebody should just burn the Mona Lisa, all of that, <laughs> plenty more. But first, Vince, we do like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history? I the, One of my most recent searches was Charles II, how many grandparents? I don't know if you're aware of the very inbred Habsburg (laughs) king. He's like a weird obsession of mine. And the answer was he had nine great-grandparents. You're supposed to have 16, but he came from like a long long line of uncles. (laughs) (laughs) A long line of uncles marrying their nieces. Like it's really hard to figure out the family tree because it's so inbred, but like the the number of great grandparents is like a nice, nice, like mathematical thing you could put on it. A lot right. of loop backs and Mobius strips in the uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. family shit. tree. There's something for whatever reason, hearing an odd number was the most unsettling thing. <laughs> yeah. He's got a family tree that's just like an Escher drawing. Yeah, right. 100%. <laughs> yeah. The Habsburgs were really like, they, they just kind of carefully bred and married their way to power. Like, yeah, for the most part. Yeah, right. that's how they did it. And then yeah. they were great at like, you know, every other potential heir dying and then, you know, inheriting a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So like all these rom-coms that tell you you should like marry for love and, you know, just do do what feels right in your heart. You wouldn't know the name Habsburgs. You might not even know the country Austria if it, if it weren't for... A bunch of people just, you know, biting down and marrying for whatever was whatever their dad told them to do, essentially. Yeah. To, to make them their family the most powerful. And this guy was like a good culmination of that because he like apparently his he had the huge Habsburg jaw where he could barely chew food and was apparently like <laughs> apparently was also incontinent and uh, you know, differing accounts of just how messed up he was, but they kept bringing in like other princesses from other places to try and see if he could produce an heir and i just like the idea of 
you know, these people yeah. keep bringing in princesses to see if they can procreate with this guy who is like, right. it's like the pooping pandas. himself. Pandas <laughs> yeah. in the zoo. And it's like, I have nine grandparents. You're like, okay. <laughs> Their family line is like legend of drunken master, except like where they just, where, where the alcohol instead is replaced by inbreeding. And it's mm-hmm. just like, we got like inbreeding is our <laughs> superpower, but it's also like eventually going to fuck us up <laughs> to the point that we can't even like see straight. Oh boy. Anyways, I like to throw in a good legend of Drunken Master reference as early <laughs> in the pod as possible. Yeah. What is something you think is overrated, Vince? I think uh, canceling plans is overrated. I don't know at what point like it became a thing to brag about how much you enjoy canceling plans mm. online. But I don't know. I personally hate when people do that. And I don't think it's that cool. And I think you should. Uh, it's more fun to meet up with people. Yeah. I think. It's it's cooler to just say no off. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. don't cancel them. Say you want to nah. <laughs> yeah, because then the person knows how much food to get. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, no, that's that's poor form. You know what I mean? If if there's a head count and you got to provide or whatever, and then people suddenly like thirty percent of the guest list, like you know what, actually, nah. Yeah, uh, and I'll everybody has that one way. friend who doesn't like to disappoint people, so. There, there maybe is like an automatic no, and their and their yes is actually you translate it back to a maybe in your mind. Yeah, right. They're like, right. look, Jono's gonna say yes, but it's a no. I know him. Two days out, he's gonna be like, hey, actually, I'm like, I already know. I already know. I never mind. <laughs> Sorry, we we didn't even buy enough bro, food for you, man. It's good, bro. I've known you since I've known you since preschool, man. I know what I know what yes means. I got some anybody. frozen pot stickers in case you decide to show up. That's going to be yeah. your food. <laughs> it's a very good point. It's it's a thing that I think it's been an underrated on our show, and I've vehemently agreed with that because I do have social anxiety, and sometimes it feels like a lot to show up to a thing. But usually when I show up to a thing in after the fact, I'm glad I did. Like, right. But I think more than, I think more, the thing that we liked about the canceling plans thing was just, was more so saying no to offers of plans because I feel like that was the big pandemic shift for me was you say yes to everything pre pandemic. And then I was like, nah, like being able to like have my own boundaries is actually really important to me. So then on the other side of it, I'd be like, yeah, you know what? Actually, I don't think I'll be able to make it where I used to be like, I might, you know what? Let me mm-hmm. check. Let me look. Now I'm just like, nah, that ain't gonna work. <laughs> Maybe next time. I did have a yeah. friend who was like an aggressive, aggressive invite turner downer where he would not only say no, but like reply to the group email with all of the reasons that he would not be doing that. <laughs> and you know what? Had to respect it. Oh yeah, yeah. that's brilliant. Yeah. Just, were were the reasons like you guys aren't my favorite conversationalists? And I mean, I it was never... usually <laughs> no. It was not like it was not like the banshees of Inisher, and it was usually more <laughs> like he didn't want to drive more than ten minutes, and it would be like, oh, sorry, I didn't bring my uh, my East Bay passport because I will not be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> What's something you think is underrated? Beats. I really like like a good beat. You know, some people yeah. too earthy for them. I drag. No, oh, the, the the vegetable of shrewd yeah. farms, as yeah. as prepared by Dre. Is that not what people are mm-hmm. talking about when they yeah, say beats yeah. by Dre? I, I might be confused. Yeah, beats are good. Good for the Stop digestion. Those headphones. In my personal experience, in my personal body, roasted, you... pickled, boiled. I like them all. Wait, roasted? Oh yeah, roasted. That's the best way. How are they usually making them when they come like on a salad when they're cold? 
like beets on a salad when they're how, how's that prepared i think like it boiled? used to be usually boiled and now i think people have moved over to roasting because it, it's better yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it yeah, just I takes a long time like yeah. golden beets i mm. love a roasted golden beet oh, yeah. and beet juice i like drinking beet juice just to so i could pee rosé it's always fun to watch my pee come out pink yeah, I feel like that'd be more fun for me if I wasn't colorblind. So, because like I can't really pick up the red mm. in the urine or the uh, or the stool as as well as people that aren't colorblind. Yeah, and I feel like I would get a kick out of that, which are is makes able, me sad. Are you able to like would those glasses work that they say help for people to be able to see more color spectrum, or is that mm-hmm. just like a op on Not social media really. to make people I, to be like, oh wow? I think mine's mild enough to where it doesn't really help that much. I don't know. I think, I don't know. I don't know what the science behind it is, but I've tried different kinds of them and it was never like, oh my God, I'm seeing for the first time. Yeah. yeah, It's more just like, well, that looks a little more red than it would otherwise. There you go. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I'll pee rosé on your behalf. Thank you. I think, you know, on that note, I like asparagus because like it's, it feels really gratifying when like 20 minutes after you eat something, like you, you You pick it up. You know it's in there. You know it's in there. I wish there was more foods that I could be like, oh, it's like a prize for eating your vegetables a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. What? It smells terrible, right? Like, we all agree it smells bad. But There's no does, one but... who thinks asparagus piss smells good. What do you mean? Okay. I, I mean, it smells bad sure. wait, wait, in the wait, way wait, that, wait. like, your, your own farts smell bad, but you're also kind of fascinated by them. Right. Yeah, like I had heard there are some people who like will order asparagus piss through Reddit forum and then like have it shipped to them and just you know like wear it like cologne. But like that's not me. And yeah, that was a, says that is crazy. That was a fatty Arbuckle thing. Yeah, that was a fatty Arbuckle. The whoa, I didn't. Re- There's a whole ass list of shit that makes your pee pee smell. Weedy. Really, asparagus yeah. is one of the most impressed like I'm always impressed how quickly it just hits immediately, and then yeah. also will hit like a day later sometimes you know it's yeah just, yeah yeah coffee don't, okay don't coffee forget, motherfucker you know co- i know the ones are coffee you're like whoa like if i drink a ton of like uncut like uncut cold brew that mm. definitely comes up they say brussels sprouts interesting hmm. okay because it co- produces methyl mercaptan mercaptan a gas that's well known for making urine smell less than stellar okay huh. so yeah, i'm gonna have beets, I, i'd say beets go like falls into that category of things that got a bad rap in the 80s because people were only preparing them one way for me beets were like canned beets like bright red canned beets just i don't don't know why but like yeah that and that was gross like just yeah but same with brussels sprouts just being boiled and now they're kind of cool again because people were like oh you don't have to like Make them in the least appetizing way. Probably. Yeah. They also apparently bred out a lot of the bitterness of uh, Brussels sprouts. So it, it's partly preparation, oh, but it's also partly like that they genetics. figured out the plant br- plant science that made mm. them less funky. I love that. That was one of them. Yeah. I hate that. That's like when like you when you have like arugula and you realize you're like, man, they fucking took the teeth out of arugula. <laughs> like in America, like it just doesn't have that kick anymore. Unless you mm. go get rocket. On the other yeah. side of the pond, and you're like, oh, shit, it's fucking peppery. <laughs> Everything's just being bred to eventually taste like Gatorade in the United <laughs> States. <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love this Riptide Rush salad. All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back to talk about some news stories. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. 
Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring the Kardashians, of course. And... Season 5 promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise. The sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island, and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. And yeah, students at Stanford are starting to do what I would be doing if I was a student anywhere yeah. right now. Was exploring exploring the capabilities of, exactly. of these chat GPTs. These these chat bots, they're so fucking, you know, on point. I mean, we saw how they wrote like the Bible and the voice of Tolkien and it was pretty good and things like that. But uh, apparently, in like at Stanford, they did a survey for all like the students who just completed their fall finals for 2022, and a growing number of them are starting to rely on the AI for 
finishing assignments or getting ideas. People answered this this survey very in a in a number of ways, but they said they pulled around forty five hundred students, and about seventeen percent said they were using Chat GPT to assist with their assignments and exams. And they said of those seventeen percent, a majority reported using the AI only for brainstorming and outlining, mm-hmm. and then only five percent were actually honest or like, yeah, yeah, I just submitted material written directly from there without any edits. <laughs> like, so uh, I think I think 5% were, I mean, I can see how maybe it would help you organize your thoughts, but at that point, like, what are we doing here? You know I'm glad I mean? that the survey was conducted using the honor system that uh, <laughs> that catches so many people for plagiarism yeah. when they turn in the paper and then immediately confess to uh, plagiarizing. <laughs> yeah, this I, I'm I'm not buying these percentages, but it is yeah. interesting to me to just think about like how how constant this is going to be. Oh yeah, I mean, didn't uh, it seems like uh, it would have been Stanford guys that invented the Chat GPT? So yeah. Elon and that other guy. Well, I mean, Elon only went to Stanford for like three days, like mm. like literally forty eight hours. But feels like the chickens coming home to roost a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, and. The professors right now, they're like they're already discussing like in their own Slack channels, like how they need to like alter the curriculum. Others are like talking about going full Luddite on these students and being like, leave your fucking backpacks and bleep bleep electronics at the fucking door when you take this test. Now, here is your pencil and paper. Right. I mean, doesn't that expose you as like a not very uh, creative professor if people can ace your class using a, a chat bot? Yeah, I just have to commit my essay to memory that I just wrote in chat bot, but okay. <laughs> and then, you know, so like a lot of other, the other professors have kind of been shocked by like how fucking brazen some students have been. One professor was like, I mean, I told him, I said, look, if you're using chat like bots and shit, at least put it in your work cited. So like you can at least fess up to the fact that you're using these tools or whatever. And then this professor was like, I also got one that just had this sentence in the third paragraph that said, as a large language model trained by open AI. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I'm like, what the fuck? Like some of the professors like, come on, like if you're going to even cheat, like fucking do some work, you pieces of shit. Uh, So I don't know. I mean, like what to do now? Right. Like it's it's good at telling stories. We've realized that like it's really good at like narrative style, like 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 the sort of rhetorical styles of different outlets and things like that but when it comes to something for like more complex that involve like numbers and sums or programming like it's it people get people are getting found out really quick but it's not stopping from people from attempting it which is really something it just seems like they'll need to do all the essays as like written exam essays right where the or like come in and or would it be like more like fucking socrates and shit like you got to go kick it with your professor and like just just like you know chop it up and then they go "Mm, okay this motherfucker understood the assignment this semester like if you don't think those kids are gonna have an earwig with chat (laughs) gps or chat gps chat gpt telling them exactly what to say right you're you're crazy and you haven't you weren't raised on 80s and 90s yeah like in your theology class your professor's like so do you believe that the parable of the stoning of stephen was the beginning of the othering of jews in the new testament and then the person goes what that means (laughs) (laughs) like like the nathan for you sketch it's like just i don't know i'm sorry i didn't my earwig buzzed out do i believe that the stoning of yeah (laughs) yeah it's interesting times for sure 
I think, yeah. And I think it's just weird to think of like how you begin to see this shift, right? Like I graduated college in 2007 and that was like, you know, spark notes was like the highest of the high in terms of some like, Hey, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't read like whatever this beloved or whatever books or whatever, you could just jump to the spark notes. But the idea of like, even getting a hint on how to structure an essay, I can already see being like, oh, I'm going to write my paper 30 minutes before I have to turn it in now. Right. I mean, that's the tool. Like if, that, if that's the tool that exists, they should be using it. I mean, if you can, if it's out there and, uh, and you can make it into something coherent that works, I don't know. Seems like, seems like you did complete the assignment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, as long as you're not turning it in sight unseen <laughs> without like reading the essay that was written for you and then like adding your own thoughts. I mean, it's probably it's probably not great. It, it, it probably is smart for these teachers to alter their curriculum a little bit. But I mean, it's important. It's stealing a job from the student who was getting paid by other students to write their essays for for them. Like that, that's just going to yeah. some AI now. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That and that that's the real problem, you know. Sparks <laughs> notes were so bad, by the way. Sparks oh, notes. They were meant they were meant to expose you. Yeah. Like if you came <laughs> half cocked with like a Spark Notes fucking refresher before a lecture or something, they'd be like, I'm sorry, what was that analysis of this? Yeah. I, like, uh. <laughs> I had a friend who showed up to this final that everybody else I knew had like studied a lot for and were like really worried about, and we knew that he hadn't studied at all. And uh, while, as soon as he got the test handed out, he start, he pulled out his uh, his contact lens and was like stabbing himself in the in the eye with it, and then <laughs> walked up to the front and was just like, I don't know, I'm having like an allergic reaction. Uh, can I take this take this later? And wow. he got the test postponed for himself and uh, wow. appreciated that as yeah. a creative solution. Yeah, that's a hustle he uses to this day. Like that's a that's a that's an education that you'll never forget. My most effective one was using nine eleven to get out of a chemistry test in high school. Yeah, yeah, Strong. but I can't use can't use that one again. Unfortunately, did you have ever have coworkers that, that 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 pretended to have a child so that whenever they needed a day off, it would be like, oh, you know, Joseph's just having a really bad day. I gotta go pick him up. <laughs> no, that's pretty wild though. <laughs> Mystery yeah. fake ch shadow child? No. I have a That's friend a who had a troubled brother for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, using that one? Yeah. yeah. The that old troubled that. brother dodge. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's more brazen to be like, man, my kid's sick again. And yeah. Just fuck off to work. <laughs> like, you don't have Also, a kid. because if you don't have kids, you're like so clueless. Like, and other people do. You're so clueless about kids usually. <laughs> <laughs> because like, he's got like a... That, he got what got Gangling? those eye things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm sorry, so, what? Something. Uh, some kind of necrotic bacteria or something. I don't know. It's Call necrotizing C something. You get CPS know. called on you, but even though you don't have a kid. Just... <laughs> and then they're even more worried. You're like, I don't have a kid. They're like, this is so alarming, sir. <laughs> you do have a What'd kid. What'd you do with a kid? <laughs> well, there we go. We wrote a Seinfeld episode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we didn't use AI. That that was your cue to do a Seinfeld thing. So somebody on, on oh, Twitter shit. was like, before Miles goes, can you get him to do a Seinfeld? They're impression? all using AI. <laughs> what are they gonna do about my jokes? It's just gonna it's gonna take my it's gonna take my job. All right. M&Ms have decided to pause their polarizing their marketing words. campaign. That those are their words. So they issued a statement beginning with America, let's talk. 
Which, <laughs> weird it, way. Did it spin a chair backwards too and sit in a chair backwards <laughs> and put their hat on the other way? Yeah, it's always disturbing when someone says we need to talk or let's talk. Like when you schedule a talk, like just yeah. do the talking and don't leave yeah. me don't leave me in suspense. You can just start off with the sentence that comes after America. Let's talk. Yeah. And it would be the exact yeah. same thing. It, yeah, after that. In the last year, we've made some changes to our beloved. Yeah, that, that would have worked just as well. But it goes on to say that M&M's gets it, quote, unquote, and realize that changes to their, quote, beloved spokes candies are, quote, unquote, polarizing. Hence, they've been put on an indefinite pause. So they're not using spokes candies anymore. Mm-mm, no mm. more sexy lady M&M's. Well, that, oh. that was the problem. Yeah. Like it basically came down to how horny the green M&M made Tucker Carlson was like the downfall of those spokes M&M's. So everyone was talking about so many. It wasn't just Tucker, though. There are like so many other conservatives who like. Like even it's weird. Normally Tucker says something and like everyone falls in line, but it's like so many people had the same thought simultaneously, which is very interesting. Anyway, sorry. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, he had a segment last year where he complained that a new promotional rapper featured three female candy characters and a platitude about how the company is celebrating women across the country who are flipping, flipping the status quo, which is like some, you know, girl boss bullshit, like corporate you know, bullshit. It, it's not fun to have to be like, no, fuck you, Tucker Carlson. We're with Eminem on this one because, right. you know, this is just a cynical play to make money. But he then devoted a segment to a bizarre rant about how the cartoon Eminem's had been redesigned to be less sexy with the green Eminem swapping her boots for sneakers and like a real attention to detail there. <laughs> He's he's only horny for people in boots as opposed to sneakers. Yeah, because he likes to lick boots. It's all it's always a tantrum that like I mean they they love capitalism, but as soon as they're not like the target audience for something, then they're mad. They're like, why isn't this about me personally? Yeah, right. used to be horny for the green M M&M, and M. Yeah, now she's wearing ugly shoes, and I hate it. Those <laughs> those sneakers ain't turning me to granite downstairs. <laughs> I got a problem with this. Like, what the fuck is going on? That's I'm like, this is so weird because their language is like that they feel that like it's bullshit too. For them right. to say it's polarizing. I'm like, you don't, if you believe in some shit, like you don't see people. I'm never like, oh, I'm sorry for my polarizing remarks that I believe that prisons should be abolished. Right. Like you're, you're only saying that if you're like trying to cede to the other person's perspective. They like, there was some validity to that actually. That was a bit of we a big, too it. big of a swing. Like, what? <laughs> we, we've heard you. We're listening. Isn't this all taking uh, attention away from the fact that M&Ms are not very good? Like, how often do you, <laughs> as an adult person, eat M&Ms? Oh, peanut M&Ms, I'm, I fuck with heavy. I, I, I just, okay, to be honest, every I've, I've had to go to, like, the pharmacy to get a bunch of, like, inoculations before the baby comes and shit. And every time I go, I'm always seeing new kinds of M&Ms because whenever I see M&Ms, usually at the liquor store. And it's always like peanut, almond, plain. But then I went and they had like fudge brownie and like mm. one with a cookie center. And I was like, yeah, I mean, 
I'll fuck around. Yeah, they're apologizing for the, the fact that the base product is uh, forgettable and not <laughs> very good. What if we put other foods you like inside, like pizza? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know they what? go the I'm combos so- route. They just start doing combos <laughs> categories. Yeah, I don't know. I I really like them. I was I very like in the early two thousands. I was like adamant that they should make pretzel M and M's. So I guess I'm like mm. a little bit of an M M&M and M fan boy. And then that they came out and they weren't good. And I was like, man. I, what did I devote my like life him? to? Yeah, but you can see why there's no there's no controversy over the spokes candies for Reese's Pieces because you know nobody cares about the marketing for those because those are actually good. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Yeah, nobody's like ET wasn't fuckable enough. We need to actually. <laughs> <laughs> it just reminds me. Remember the Demolition Man, where like in the future everybody like the the popular radio stations are all playing uh like commercial jingles commercial jingles yeah, yeah. it kind of feels like that's what we're doing now we're arguing over like whether the jingles used to be better or not right yeah. and meanwhile we're like what about all the people that live underground who don't have access to the traditional economy we're like enough <laughs> out of you dr cocteau <laughs> is about to speak and dan cortez is on a grand piano singing the jolly green giant theme song i remember that scene too well uh but yeah the m&m's thing i'm like that's what i'm like this has to be them just doing like rage marketing like they like yeah. are they just doing this to to like goad tucker carlson to then be able to like pivot off of that which is such a weird move. but if that's the plan then why back down and make it <laughs> seem like you're that tucker carlson was making a valid point about how the green m&m and it there was also initial signs that they were listening to tucker carlson even before this because he was like she she's not even wearing boots like that's not hot she's wearing sneakers they redesigned the green m&m to have boots again and but this time he was like but now she's a lesbian which is not like i guess she held hands with the brown m&m in an ad like six years ago but it was like a meme that circulated its way to his Facebook wall or wherever the fuck he gets his news. And he complained that uh, there was a plus-sized obese purple (laughs) M&M, which is just a peanut M&M. Like, that's the whole... That's that's the shape of M&Ms, man. (laughs) Yeah, it's not like she was spelt before. I mean, it feels like the... If you're the marketing person for M&M, you're basically making decisions on who has the most boycott clout. So... Before right. it was like, okay, we don't want to get boycotted by people who think that the green M&M is too sex positive. Now we don't right. want to get boycotted by the one who is not horny enough from the green M&M. So it's like, we're, I don't know, we're, we're, we're playing out culture war battles in like really random arenas, like the uh, M&M spokespeople. It's great. Yeah. Well, and look, they're winning, folks. Yeah. They just won. You might win some, but you just lost one, Libs. Ugh. That's right. I wonder what that commercial is going to look at like, though, that they've had to painfully tease in the fucking Right, so now too. they're saying, but we got somebody that everyone can agree on, Maya Rudolph. And so Maya Rudolph's <laughs> like, cool, thanks, <laughs> <Yeah>. everyone. <laughs> Great, I'm being... I am an acceptable choice, thank you. <laughs> yes, for Tucker there's... Carlson. Yes, Great. Tucker Carlson's favorite human, a woman of color. Like, yes. Wh- are we? I, that's going to probably outrage him more. That's why I hope it's a it's a grand number. Maybe could you imagine if then they like double down in the commercial? They'd be like, "Ha, we got you!" But you thought we were going to backpedal, and we're like, "This doesn't even make sense anymore. Just shut up." <laughs> right? Yeah, it'll be not at all. I was going to say it'll be interesting <laughs> to see what they do. That's a lie. It won't be <laughs> interesting. <laughs> that would it'll require be... me watching the Super Bowl. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring The Kardashians, of course. And... Season 5 promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island, and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. And so we're learning more about the alleged assaults committed by sitting Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh from the director of Swingers and Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Because Don't forget Born the, Identity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the, the very first Born Identity. <laughs> I did tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, he did. That's a good one. Yeah. Wow. Look at this guy. So this was like a surprise album drop. Like he funded the whole thing himself and like signed the whole crew to NDAs 
to make sure nobody knew this was coming. And people within the entertainment press are saying, like, it's pretty, like, the documentary world is not large. There's like, you know, a handful of <laughs> like companies and people who get to <laughs> yeah. make those. So people were really surprised that they were able to pull it off and keep it a surprise. So they surprised. Oh, they were surprised. A rough draft at Sundance. And so it's the first documentary by director Doug Lyman, who made all those movies we were talking about. And most of the documentary is about the accusations made by Deborah Ramirez, who previously recalled that Brett Kavanaugh had exposed himself at a drunken dorm party. It sounds like they're do like floating this out, using it to get attention, and then like going to get ad- additional kind of material from the process of like having it public that they're making this documentary. But they say the biggest reveal in the documentary is an auto- audio recording of Max Steer a Yale classmate who had previously stated that Kavanaugh had his pants down at a party, but on the leaked tape, he details the time a drunken Kavanaugh attempted to insert his penis into the mouth of a young woman at a dorm party while she was nearly passed out on the floor from drinking. Didn't we hear this? Like, we heard we heard these allegations, too, didn't we? Like, wasn't, like, Deborah Ramirez one of the people that they're Deborah like... Deborah Ramirez was definitely one of the people that and, we were And there like, was, like, an anic- this anecdote, too. And the FBI is like, yeah, 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 we talked to everybody. Yeah, I, like, I think there were similar things. I don't know that I had heard that one in particular, the mouth one, but other Yale classmates in the doc, doc suggest that Kavanaugh's team contacted them during the FBI investigation in order to try to steer them in his direction, which he denied under oath during his testimony. So the film basically contends that he committed perjury. Like, hmm. that's kind is of... Is that a disqualified... Like, the thing about the Supreme Court is like, they're appointed for life. Like, is there any sort of, is there any sort of avenue for him to face any consequences for anything? Impeachment. Impeachment, which relies on, which is a political, you know, the, the whole thing is still a political exercise, right? Like in the same way that like he was approved by. Yeah. It's still going to go from the house to the Senate. I mean, they voted to convert, confirm him while all this, like, while that stuff was still going on and it was even in doubt that he was not going to get, confirmed which is like it's again it feels like they're presenting this information to the public as if we have any sort of lever to do anything about it or any doubt about what kind of piece of shit this guy is yeah and but right. and like when when all this was going on the first time i thought okay we're worrying about what this guy did in college what about the fact that of the nine supreme court court justices that are like approved for life and have like this insane amount of influence over the american people two of them went to the same high school like that is weird to me like how do you have like him and some other justice went to the same high school like that seems like it it should be an immediate disqualifier yeah and Ah. they all go to the same handful of law schools and brett kavanaugh's father was (laughs) like one of the most damaging like evil lobbyists of yeah it's it's bonkers yeah, I feel yeah, I feel like that they're th- this avenue is like something that people could understand why he's bad. Like they're trying to find you know the something that the the layman can understand. Like oh okay, well what if he was a rapist? But it's like yeah, he has ten other reasons that he should have been disqualified for before we even got to that. Yeah, yeah, I, I but, yeah, it's it's yeah, it, it is kind of it's hard to see something. It's sort of like those January six documentaries you see come out. And you're like yeah, I know. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. Right. You guys fucking were the ones that were supposed to do something do about something it. Do something about <laughs> yeah. it. Like yeah. you don't need I'm I'm all in on fucking doing something about it. Don't like most most people are. And I I mean that's what's kind of a little weird like you're saying Jack like they hope that this like slow walking of it will inspire other people but like at that point is there going to be just a you know we get to a, like a tipping point of evidence and allegations that they're going to try and do something that they haven't successfully done since 1805 right the movie That's apparently where... opens with Lyman seated on a couch across from Christine Blasey Ford who questions him about why he a Hollywood director wanted to make this film and i don't know i haven't seen it obviously but it does feel right. like we never get and then she is really not in it for the for the yeah, whole you see thing. the back of her head, head the back of her head during that q a but and then it shows her testimony obviously. he's like because the only way to take down a white guy is another white guy right <laughs> and yeah. that's well, what i'm hoping to do yeah. what we really need is another he needs to be forced to do another tearful press conference where he admits that he likes beer yeah that was because that was what happened the first time that was yeah. still like one of the strangest things like where... the whole th even when he like accused amy klobuchar like are you a drunk like when like that yeah, exchange, yeah. i'm like y'all this is we've we've left the fucking planet here where you're and seriously talking to this man when i catch my four-year-old in a lie like at at this stage of his lying development his response is to get angry and like that seems to be what what brett kavanaugh was doing is like he knew he was lying and just was like well i'm mad about something at this right. point yeah. What is it when when you have the facts, pound the facts, and when yeah. you don't have the facts on your side, pound the table. That's right. Uh, Regal Cinemas is closing more theaters despite Avatar two, like you know, being one of the biggest movies around. They still have around five hundred theaters and are working to shed debt and stay alive. Which, what? Yeah, th we're just headed towards a monopoly, like an AMC monopoly. Yeah, or Amazon. Well, you know, Amazon's also lurking too. They're 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 dipping their toe in the movie theater business. I can only imagine what it's yeah, it really does seem wild that for all the amount of like just energy there's been around like movies just in the last year that Regal, huh? Going yeah. down. Well, I mean, the whole streaming economy is sort of a way to skirt monopoly rules because then right. because it used to be, you know, like your studio couldn't own the, the distribution theater. platform. Right. Yeah, they couldn't own theaters. And that was why we had like this entire industry of ex exhibitors because they were different than the studios uh, by design. And then the uh, streaming was like, oh, how do we how do we circumvent that? And so now it's like two Monopoly plays trying to do battle with each other. Yeah. Right. But I feel like that's bad. That's going to end up being bad for movies, right? Like if AMC is the only kind of power yeah, in the in the distributor the you know theater owner monopoly like it, it just feels like it's gonna be it's gonna we're gonna be have we're gonna have the mcu on an infinite fucking loop yeah when, right. like when yeah. like those things merge because then it's just all gonna be about the the bottom line they're like well this shit gets asses in the seats and that's all this business is about like we don't we're not here to indulge people's creativity See, i don't even anymore. think it's that like i wish the uh the end goal of a movie was to get asses in the seats but now i feel like the end goal of a movie is to create users of that brand like the the goal of a marvel movie is not like let's make a bunch of money on this one movie it's like how do we create 
a bunch of daily Marvel users. And so right, right. Yeah. now want, yeah, towels or daily shows or fuck it, even a news show eventually. Yeah. Right. But uh, I feel bad because the Regal Cinemas commercials were really, really bad. Were they the uh, were they the Nicole Kidman one? No, so that's, no, AMC. that's AMC. Okay, all right. This they one are, has people yes. doing like nonstop movie references throughout a theater, oh, and it's just yeah, like, and then Danny Trejo shows up. I'll just play a little <laughs> bit because like it's they lays they lays it on thick. Not a man purse. It's called a satchel. You can't sit with us. So you're telling me there's a chance? I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. S F. Okay, th- I don't even understand how these lines. The, are being the references split. don't even fit together. It's yes, like the I pitch know. is uh, come see more movies so you too can be uh, uh, obnoxious and desocialized. <laughs> right. The so. The Danny Trejo thing is he takes a sip from his drink, says, I know it was you, Fredo, because someone he thinks someone finished his drink. And then the person or, next to him says, as if, and points to their... <laughs> like, that's not a thing that's ever happened. Someone went pee-pee in his Coke, I think. That was the, <laughs> <laughs> is the next line somehow. You're like, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> but like, wait, what's the next line after that? Because they just go, no, and then this... Oh, let me just... We, we do have to follow this. It goes from, it goes from I know it was you, Fredo, to as if. Okay. To, it was you, Fredo. Uh-huh. You broke my heart. Pepsi. You as if. You sit on the throne of lies. What? You sit on a throne of lies. Oh, okay. I think that's a Will Ferrell line from something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Cool. It's it's so weird how somehow the like really heavy-handed, like trite version of the AMC one is like, oh fucking love that one. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Because <laughs> it's like so the it's Kidman, so yeah. over the top, you know what I mean? Or it's like, man, this is so like Nicole Kidman isn't fucking with any of these movies. <laughs> yeah. But At somehow I like us, that better. She's selling us on the magic of movies and not the magic of being obnoxious to your friends. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like you're like, yo, I, what I tell you about doing that Goonies, hey, you guys shit in public, man. It's, it's, a, it's a little <laughs> What's weird. What's the worst part of movies and movie going? People who only speak in movie quotes. Let's, yeah, right. Let's double down on that. Uh, yeah. Well. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. There was a time in the early 20th century when, like, monopolies just went unchecked, and then we had to, like, have two Roosevelts come in, like, Teddy Roosevelt come in and, like, break up monopolies, and then his cousin, for some reason, like, come in and... Inst- I, it just feels like we're at the, like, pre... I don't know. We're at a nadir. Yeah, we're at the second Gilded Age. Yeah, we're yeah, yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. at the part right before everything falls apart. And like best case scenario, there's like some sort of uh, breaking up of the monopolies and some sort of socialist movement. But I don't know. I'm just I'm just sad they got through that entire promo and not one Borat quote, which I feel. Come on. Dude, I mean, me bone. the thing is like two minutes long. I, I could subject you to it, but I, I think <laughs> I think we made it out Borat free somehow. Oh, yeah. I've seen that 20 times, so I'm pretty oh. sure. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, no, 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 that's a complaint. Yeah. yeah. Where yeah, the no. fuck is my Notes. Borat reference? That's, yeah. Actually, yeah, your whole Babylon review was about that Regal Cinema <laughs> intro thing and how there was no Borat quotes, which <laughs> I, I found surprising. All right. And finally, let's talk the Mona Lisa. Uh, a hoaxer posted a video of police cars in Paris 
and was like, the quote, the quote is the most TikTok, just like dumb shit. Uh, <laughs> POV, you're, while you are, in Paris when the Mona Lisa is stolen. The video was viewed <laughs> more than 11 million times, confused a lot of people. The story was verifiably false, but then the same TikTok user posted a follow-up video, video claiming the painting was indeed gone, but the staff can't say anything. Oh, come on. Oh man. You think they'd tell you if it was stolen? <laughs> that's that's peak. I have a girlfriend, but she lives in Texas. Right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Of course they're not going to say the thing that's a lie because <laughs> I'm lying, but I'm going to come at you first and try and get the rhetorical edge on that narrative. Yeah. There's also... Uh, Glass Onion, a Knives Out murder mystery. Spoiler alert. Is that, uh, I love that that is the subtitle to that almost as much <laughs> as Ryan Johnson does. But the Mona Lisa, like it, it's about a tech bro Elon Musk character who like has the Mona Lisa and is like, yeah, just rent it out. No big deal. And bad things happen to the Mona Lisa. So that's another reason that it might be in the zeitgeist. But people have been arguing for a while that it's, like the Mona Lisa is a bad thing for <laughs> art. Like I, I didn't realize that 80% of like the Louvre's galleries visitors are there to see the Mona Lisa. Right. And then, and that like the process of seeing the Mona Lisa, like is basically standing in line at the airport. You just like stand in a giant line with a bunch of like in a giant, like cordoned off thing and walk up and, if you've seen it in person, you know that it is the size of an iPad. Like it is fucking tiny. Yeah. I mean, you, all you just you just need to listen to that Lonely Island song about it. Like that's the that's the best part. Wait, you what know, was the Lonely have Island? Have you heard song the, Have you heard the, from Popstar, the movie Popstar? There's a song called uh, "Mona Lisa." You're an overrated piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just like the whole thing is just roasting the Mona Lisa. It's fantastic. Uh, That's great. I feel like yeah. the only part yeah. I remember was is the does the RZA give a line in that like a loose line in that to like kind of bolster his like rap cred? I think because someone says he's like I, one time I just saw him eat the whole blunt. It was like the <laughs> loose line, and I was like, this is great. That's uh, and that's all I remember. But yeah, it is like I think because it's just one of those things. It just becomes shorthand for art. Yeah. It's like Einstein shorthand for smart guy. And so every quote that someone wants to say is smart, they give to Einstein. And chances are, if you've seen an Einstein quote on a bumper sticker, it is not actually a thing <laughs> Einstein said. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, it's a it's a huge pain in the ass for the Louvre, for security staff and yeah, there, there, there's this long New York Times article. I, I wasn't familiar with your Lonely Island reference. Uh, I read the New York Times. <laughs> oh, see, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah the no. paper of record. I'm, I'm over here down with the with the with the hoi polloi. Yeah, yeah. But some days the Louvre has to close entirely because of how <laughs> the Mona Lisa like is just over, just mobbed by people who just want to be like, I seen the art one. <laughs> yeah, it is weird because people just go up like. I, they'll just take a picture and they're like, all right. They're like, yeah. you're not supposed to do that. And a like, tiny well, what are you picture do with of that? a tiny picture. Yeah. yeah. All right. I, I feel like this is one of those things where the root issue is that people are just the worst and we want to try and find like, oh, is it the painting's fault? And it's like, eh, mm, no. probably not. As We're all just that dummies. People suck. <laughs> and the more of us there are that uh, know of something, the worse it's going to be for that thing. Yeah, that's kind of my takeaway from this 
piece in the New York Times is just that, like, it's going to be it's going to be some other painting if it's not the Mona Lisa. Right. But so I do have a, a proposed solution because the reason the Mona Lisa is famous in the first place, like it was a known painting, but it wasn't like the known painting until 1911 when a small mustachioed man entered the Louvre Museum in Paris made his way to the Salon Carré, where the Mona Lisa was housed, and just hid in a storage closet, came out the next morning before it opened, dressed like somebody who worked there, put the Mona Lisa basically in his pocket, and then then walked out. And everyone was, like, scandalized by it because it was, like, a pretty famous painting. And it basically became the most famous painting based on that. And once they got it back, they were, like hundreds of thousands of people would come every day to see it. So it's basically an early meme. Like, it's just a a meme that went viral. Like, this New York Times article compares it to Kim Kardashian, but it's like... (laughs) I think it's more of a Harambe than a Kim Kardashian, Mm. I would Mm. say. Yeah. Like, we're we're not sure why we're still into it, (laughs) but we are. Not sure what the fuck happened there, but we're still like, gotta see dicks out for Mona Lisa, boys! So my takeaway, though, from the origin story of its fame is that something I've always said is that, like, art theft, counter to, like, what you saw in uh, the Thomas Crown affair, like, art theft is generally very easy. Like, when you go back and, like, look at the most, the list of, like, the most, like, valuable art heists of all time, it's almost always, like, a smash and grab thing or, like, somebody just, like, has a gun and is like, hey, I'm taking this and walks out. <laughs> or, like, literally shoplift it, like, off the wall and, like, put it in a smock that they're wearing. So somebody just needs to steal a better work of art that, that people want to be more famous in, a, in an ingenious way that, like, makes people interested in it. And Dude, I'm t- that's probably the next level of, like, art market manipulation is, like, inside job theft to be, like what we need to do is get your art piece stolen. And that's going to exponentially raise the value when we recover it. Uh, because there's a lot of a lot of ways to manipulate the market. Like, Sounds like you've been talking to that TikTok person, first of all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been talking to a few artists. I'm like, look, man, I'll steal your shit for a cut. You know what I mean? I don't give a fuck. What's like the good version of the Mona Lisa that people could make popular and it would make pe- people appreciate like how good art can be? I mean... That question would require me to be a non-dipshit person who's like not like, ah, Mona Lisa, art. That's the only thing I know. Dude, 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 dude. I know. Fucking Banksy. Oh, shit, dude. That's tight. Banksy fucking rules, dog. What if someone stole a Banksy, dude? Dude, someone stole Banksy, bro. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I don't, yeah. I think it's just, it's interesting to see people get into art however they want to, but yeah, I mean, like, I think some people, like, when especially tourists, treat art as, like, not even a thing that they're necessarily taking in. It's like, well, that, this, like, seminal work is housed in the building. I got to go say I stood near it. Yeah. And, like, and then you miss all the other cool shit. Because I think, it again, like, uh, this, it all builds on top of each other. Like, where it's, it, you know, like, we taught, we laughed, like, it's a medieval meme. And then we now, like, with social media, now people have to prove that they've been near the famous thing at every, any possible moment. So it's only like, I think exponentially like just sort of driven the desire for people to have been like, and here's proof that I stood next to this little picture. All right. God, LA is just covered in angel wings, like angel wings graffiti. <laughs> I like, know. This, 
I, w- I collected them all. I went to all 50 places where you can stand in front of angel wings on a wall. No, you and did not. take a selfie in, in Los Angeles. So I, I completed the quest. No, I did have did. to take a picture uh, next to the I love you all in Austin. I was, uh, that, was part of the, that was part of the trip. We had to do it. Yeah. Cheer assignment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, Vince, uh, pleasure having you as always. Where can people find you, follow you, all that good stuff? Uh, you can find my writing on Uproxx, as always, um, podcasts. There's the Film Drunk Frockcast, which is just us, uh, you know, cracking wines about current events and, and movies. And then we do a The Wire rewatch podcast yeah, yeah. called Pod Yourself The Wire. That is, a, that is the second season of our original podcast, which was about The Sopranos, which was called Pod Yourself a Gun. We're actually doing a live Pod Yourself a Gun this Saturday. Oh, with- amazing. With your producer, producer. Anna as our special guest, and yeah. uh, that should be that should be a good time. That's at SF Sketch Fest. Amazing. Where is that? The Piano Fight Bar. That's piano at fight Piano Theater? Fight. That's right. Yeah. Just for people, hey, yay area, Zeit Gang. I know you're out there because whenever we've had shows, you pull up. So definitely pull up to that. Yeah. If you like a lot fighting and people. and pianos and also yeah. the Sopranos, come on down. Are you are you, are you doing a whole like sort of retrospective? Oh, I think oh yeah, Matt was saying you guys got a you guys got some fun stuff. And stuff. Well, we hadn't done an episode about the Many Saints of Newark, the uh, the sort of follow up movie. Oh, so no. we're gonna do that. We're gonna do our the Many Saints of Newark episode as a live show. Dope. A- any previews? You, are you also an apologist for the Many Saints? Of um, I wouldn't say I'm an apologist. I thought it was. I feel like it as a as a pilot for like a future tv show i kind of enjoyed it but as a movie it doesn't it doesn't really i don't think i don't think david chase knows the uh the movie format well so it's like you get weird storylines that take up too much time right, in the movie right. and then kind of don't pay off yeah he was saving it for a future episode yeah <laughs> awesome well is there a tweet or some work of social media or just media in general a tv show film anything yeah You've I been saw, enjoying. yeah, I saw a tweet I liked this morning, and it sort of uh, plays into our Eminem discussion. This is from Murder X Brian. Uh, the only woke mascot left standing is the Mucinex Booger Man. Yeah, king, <laughs> king. <laughs> uh, shit, that's funny. And what what is your movie film of the year? Do you have you announced that? Yeah, you know, I liked a movie called Funny Pages that I really wish more people saw and i yeah i liked was, that a lot too i thought it was really good i mean just in terms of a lot of weird people a lot of people that look like grown-up garbage pail kids it's pretty <laughs> fantastic yeah he's he, that director this is his first movie he really has an eye for um casting i guess yeah yeah finds very interesting people miles where can people find you what is a tweet or work of media you've been enjoying oh twitter instagram uh, at miles of gray or wherever there's at symbols uh, and also check jack and i out on miles and jack on Matt, Matt boosties our basketball podcast and if you want to hear me just spiral into a just despair watching 90 day fiance check me out on 420 day fiance with sophia alexandra uh tweet i like let's see oh first of all shout out to every person who tagged me in shams uh that shams tweet saying that uh Rui Hachimura was on his way to the Lakers. Yes, fellow Blackenese legend is going to be playing in the City of Angels. I'm very excited about that. And thank you for everybody who was like, Miles will like that because he is also Blasian. <laughs> is it, <laughs> is it uh, official that that's happening? It's, uh, Shams is saying they're, we're finalizing it. 
Right. Okay. You know okay. what I mean? It looks it looks like it's it, look, it looks like it's happening. And plus like the Lakers love the Wizards. Like I don't know. We <laughs> we we're cozy together when it comes to trade. So it feels like there might not be too much friction there. Um so shout out to everybody who tagged me in that cuz yes, I do look up to this man even though he's younger than me. Uh, and then another tweet is from @lovechansky tweeted, "I think it's so cool that every CEO at every company suddenly decided exactly 5 to 7% of their workforce needed to not work anymore. What a weird coincidence." Wild, right? Huh. 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 What was that about, huh? Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. Did I recommend Neptune Frost on? I feel like we might have cut it out when I did last time, but that's going to be my media recommendation. Okay. Uh, That movie fucking rules. Uh, Sci-fi, musical, very cool. And also a movie called The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Mm. I watched that. So my six-year-old's favorite genre of movie, and the only one he's interested in watching right now, is robot movies. So we went went hard with Star Wars in the past week. What about robot jocks? Ooh, yeah. I don't know robot jocks. Oh, Oh. Jack. (laughs) Now I fucked up. Dude, that shit is wild. I'm Robot J O X. Oh, okay. Sorry, I, I I was spelling it wrong in my head. Of course, I know Robot Jocks. No, I actually don't. <laughs> I don't know Robot Jocks. Weird. Oh, it's something. Achilles. Oh man, it's like it's like dudes in mech suits. Just it's it's about a future where war. There's no more war, so countries just have uh, you know they do war by robot with 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 robots. Yeah. 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 That's more realistic movies. than real steel, where it was like underground robot <laughs> boxing. Nah, this is <laughs> full on sanctioned. Yeah. Like, yeah. All these people just like scrapped together giant robots that they can box with in this abandoned warehouse. It was PG? Huh? Damn. I didn't realize Robot Jocks was PG. I thought it was like more hardcore than that, but that could have just been. All these movies from me the being 80s five watching it. <laughs> Yeah, all these movies are like Jaws is PG and like the, yeah, you, oh, you have to like do a cocaine. second round of Googling yeah. to be like, wait, what is actually appropriate to a child? Uh, <laughs> because right. yes, I saw it when I was four. Star Wars is not apparently appropriate for six-year-olds, but it's close enough. Two years off. Look, so. if I'm watching Cronenberg's Naked Lunch as a seven-year-old, you know, and that's I'm what here, that's I'm what candid. I thought, but it turns out that like that rule doesn't apply. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hey, if be- I watched Indiana Jones when I was four, like my kids are gonna be fine with it, and yeah, you know. they'll be as emotionally maladjusted as me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, you can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at the Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, DailyZeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnote. Where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode episode as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song do you think people might enjoy? I think they're going to enjoy this track, a kind of a deep cut from the artist Muchos Plus. Uh, this is from an album that came out in 1979 called Nassau's Discos, and they describe this artist as kind of like this reggae disco, like this album is a reggae disco masterpiece. I've heard it described this, but this track is called Love Misunderstood, and it's really dope. Uh, so if you like anything that's like slightly, you know, just a little laid back for you and has a little bit of spirit, some soul to it, check out Muchos Plus 
Love Misunderstood. All right. Well, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is yep. going to do it for us this morning. Back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we'll talk to y'all then. Bye. Bye. Hey. Here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Switch now at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. This is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community. Listen to Life as a Gringo on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.